Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation and around the world. I'm Chadwick Burks, and this is Water Cooler Genius. That was a little shout out to my buddy George Norrie, one of my favorite radio hosts of all time, and he actually opens Coast to Coast AM most evenings with that exact sentiment there. Well, today on the show, I was thinking about something that could inspire people and would be jaw-dropping. And of course, most of those things we can't talk about on podcasts or I'll get banned from Apple, much like Alex Jones. But I thought, you know, what is out there that's really inspiring these days? And you know, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. For those of you who don't know about the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who they were or who they are, I guess, they're a hockey team. And this past season was their very first season as a professional hockey team based out of Las Vegas, hence the name. What's so interesting about the Knights is that they almost won the Stanley Cup. I'm serious. I mean, they were in the the final games to where they were going to win the Stanley Cup. And unfortunately, they did not. Well, I mean, if you're a Knights fan, it's unfortunate they didn't. But it made me really start thinking about underdogs in sports and you know, some of the great underdog comeback stories of all time. So this podcast is going to be about amazing upsets and underdogs in sports history. Sorry, I didn't have more fanfare to go with that. That's about all I got. But the Knights, just in particular, since that that was the inspiration, you know, it was their first season last year. And a little historical factoid for you, no true first-year team has ever won a championship in any of the four major U.S. sports. And, of course, the four major U.S. sports would be football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, right? No first-year teams ever won a championship. And the Knights came super, super close. And the neat thing about the Vegas Knights is that they were just a team of just rookies and and cast-offs and players that were just you know, part of the expansion draft, they weren't protected at all, or they were traded players. So no one gave the Knights any kind of hope of winning the Stanley Cup. In fact, most Vegas casinos had them somewhere around 500 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup. And in some cases, it got all the way up as high as 800 to 1. And there was a lot of people out there <laughs> that had, you know, put down 10 bucks, 100 bucks, maybe more on the Knights to win the Stanley Cup just because the odds were so high. And they came so, so close to cashing that ticket. And a lot of people criticized Las Vegas for making odds that high, but I guess in the end, Vegas was correct on that one. But they came pretty close to having to pay out, if you know what I'm saying. So what are some other just amazing underdog stories in sports history that just, just come to mind? And most of these I had from memory which that's either an amazing thing that I should be commended for or it's an incredibly sad thing, depending on how you look at it. But I kind of try to focus on the positive, as I hope you do as well. So let's go back to 1960. We'll start off with baseball. The World Series. The 1960 World Series was the Pittsburgh Pirates versus the New York Yankees. Now, at this point, the New York Yankees were just the dominant force in baseball, hands down. I mean, they had won 10 out of 12 Penance, and that's P-E-N-N-A-N-T-S, not P-E-N-N-A-N-C-E, like, you know, 
did bad things, got to go say like 10 Hail Marys and really sorry. No, no, no. These are championships, right? And I hope I spelled that right because I just did it on the fly. But these are championships. And so the Yankees had won 10 out of the last 12 years. And for those of you who follow baseball, that's a lot. It's it's not it's kind of rare for the same team to dominate for that long of a period of time, right? And so they were heavy, heavy favorites to win against the Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates played them well, played them tight, and they made it all the way to a Game 7. So the entire World Series championship came down to one game. The Pirates were outscored by the Yankees 55-27. to 27. So over this series, the Yankees scored double the amount of runs that the Pirates had, yet we're still to Game 7. It is the bottom of the ninth in a tie game, Game 7 of the World Series. There's not a better scenario for I'm going to be a legendary hero. And Bill Mazeroski hits a shot, a home run over the left field wall. Pirates win. So the Pirates are huge, huge underdogs, and they beat the Yankees, the dominant driving force, with a bottom of the ninth Game 7 World Series home run by Bill Mazeroski. And I'm sure you can ask any Pirates fan, any Yankees fan, or any baseball fan, and they will definitely tell you about that. So check out that video. It's quite dramatic, and the call on it is amazing, too. So good old Pittsburgh takes out New York. Now, let's move into something a little more modern. Does the name Ronda Rousey mean anything to you? And if you're just thinking, yeah, that's that really serious girl from the Twizzlers commercial, you technically are correct, but... Ronda Rousey, I'm sure you know who she is, UFC fighter. She's now retired. She's moved on to the greener pastures of the WWE, actually. But Ronda Rousey back in 2015 was an unstoppable force in UFC women's division. So I want you to think about this. She has just destroyed anyone that came close to her. Just destroyed them. Her last three fights in the UFC prior to this fight we're going to talk about. She had won them in 34 seconds, 14 seconds, and 16 seconds. Now, I don't know about you. If I paid for a ticket to a sporting event and it was over in 14 seconds, I'm not so sure that would kind of be my sport of choice. But Ronda was so dominant that she had just destroyed those opponents. So she was going into a fight against Holly Holm, and Holly Holm had more of a boxing background, as Ronda Rousey was actually more of a grappler. So she's going in against Holly Holm. She's like a huge, huge, like gigantic favor against Holm. In the second round of the UFC fight, Holly Holm kicked her with what's called the kick heard around the world now, (laughs) and she laid out Rousey. So Holly Holm defeated Ronda Rousey, UFC number 193 in 2015. Again, for those of you who are around or following UFC, then you know how huge of a deal this was at that time. It was like beyond huge. And uh, the main reason that Holm beat Rousey was because Rousey is kind of the submission specialist. She's all about doing submissions and getting someone down on a mat. And Holm was more of a boxer. And that's something Rousey had never prepared for, never really trained for, and never experienced with someone that went through and beat her with boxing. So speaking of boxing, another humongous boxing upset would be Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. And I'm also highly confident that all of you are familiar with that as well. But just in case you're not, there's a lot of backstory about that that makes that upset 
even more and more and more interesting. So this went down in 1990. Mike Tyson was the champion at the time. He held the WBA, WBC, IBF, Lineal Heavyweight Championships. So the boy was sporting a lot of gold, if you know what I'm saying. And Tyson was going into this fight a 42 to 1 favorite. So, I mean, think about that. 42 to 1 favorite for you gamblers out there. It was on February 11th, 1990, in the Tokyo Dome. Just to make it even more of an upset, Tyson was undefeated at the time. Think about that for a moment. Now, his previous fight, you go, well, you know, he was undefeated, but was he amazing? Yeah, he knocked out Carl Williams in 93 seconds. So, again, kind of the Ronda Rousey of boxing at the time, without question. Buster Douglas was coming into this fight with pretty much every odd you could imagine stacked against him. His mother had died 23 days before the fight started, so that was pretty bad. The mother of his son had severe kidney issues and was on the verge of death at the same time. And then just to top it off, you know, what else? He got the flu the day before his fight, so he's already mourning the loss of his mother. He thinks that the mother of his son is going to die any moment, and then just to top it off, gets the flu. You're like, you know, really? Seriously? There's no way in hell this guy is going to win. The fight went on and on, and Douglas survived, and Tyson didn't knock him out in the first round or in a few seconds, which is what he normally did. So everyone's going, well, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe there's some chance in here somewhere uh, for Douglas. Well, they thought it was going to about be over in round eight. With 10 seconds left in round eight, Tyson knocked Douglas down, and Douglas was down for a count of nine. So even though they were both beaten up pretty bad and Tyson wasn't looking that great either, people thought it was over at that point because Douglas got just got up for a nine count, and uh, that's only 10 seconds left in round eight. The fight went on and on, and Douglas eventually KO'd Mike Tyson in round 10. So in the 10th round, he KOs Tyson. Huge. Like At the time, it was just unspeakable, unbelievable. That was all that was on ESPN nonstop, all in the newspapers everywhere, just nonstop, holy crap, Mike Tyson has lost this fight. Now, a little interesting afternote to this, Buster Douglas, his name was actually James Buster Douglas, Buster was kind of his nickname, but Buster Douglas' first title fight after Tyson he lost to Evander Holyfield. So in his first title defense, he lost the title to Holyfield. He, he was knocked out in the uh, third round. For those of you who remember the history of Mike Tyson, which is you know prior to the Hangover movies, uh, in 91, he was convicted of rape, and he actually went to jail. Uh, he went to jail for like uh, four years or so. So when he got out in 1995, he, he made a comeback. And he very quickly regained his, the titles, the WBA and WBC world titles. So it's like, wow, like Tyson didn't lose a step. He's back. He's better than ever. But then soon after he regained those titles, and you know that I love the nice historical coincidences, he lost the titles to Evander Holyfield, the same person Buster Douglas lost his title to. So that's pretty interesting, right? Mike Tyson. Remember, like, uh, he also was dating Robin Givens, big actress at that time. And Robin Givens was, uh, I think, what was that show? She, Head of the Class was the show she was in. That's uh, something else that's maybe ridiculous that I remember. But that was a good show. That was a really good show. 
And then Don King, of course, was a promoter of Mike Tyson. Everybody remembers Don King. Crazy, crazy hair sticking straight up, like salt and pepper colored hair. Always had something weird to say. Just out there, like the really first big, good hype man. You know, just a great hype man. And it said things in rhyme and stuff. So Don King, another amazing individual. So let's go into another world out of boxing stuff. Let me hit hockey real quick. We already mentioned the Knights, but you cannot talk about great upsets in hockey without talking about the 1980 U.S. and Russian uh, Olympic teams. That was called the Miracle on Ice. So much like the Golden Knights, the USA Olympic team uh, were amateurs. They, they were college players, amateurs. They were, they were very few, if any, professional players on that Olympic team. So no one had given them a chance in, well, a snowball's chance in hell. Let's put it that way. To, to ever beat the USSR, which this was back before Russian Federation. We're in the USSR times here, 1980s. You know, Cold War, all that stuff going down, right? So the U.S. team were huge underdogs. Russia's hockey team was considered the best team in the world, period. I mean, even better than professional hockey teams. So we were given no chance at all. But Team USA went on, and they actually won 4-3. They won the gold medal in the Olympic hockey and there's a very famous, for sports lovers, call by Al Michaels was announcing it, who said, I do believe in miracles. And you should look that up. It's pretty neat. And that came to be termed the miracle on ice, mostly because of Al Michaels' call. But USA versus Russia, Olympic hockey, humongous, humongous upset. Switch over to a little bit of football. And it's funny because I was talking to my friend Jim today. And I mentioned that I was going to record this podcast today and mentioned the subject matter. And he goes, oh, you got to be talking about the Jets and Colts Super Bowl, which is hilarious because I had thought of the same thing. I already made my notes on it. So it proves that I'm not the only one out there that thought that was a good one. But Super Bowl three, the Jets versus the Colts. And fun fact for you, the first Super Bowl to be called the Super Bowl was Super Bowl three. Prior to that, they were just championships. Super Bowl the term started being used for Super Bowl three, the Jets versus the Colts. And in this game, the Colts were 18-point favorites. And for those of you who watch football, 18 points is a lot of points to be favored. And the reason why was back then you had the AFL teams and the NFL teams. And most people thought that the AFL teams you know, were, were inferior teams the NFL. Obviously, you had the... The Jets were on the inferior side of this in most people's perception. Well, guess what? The Jets won 16-7. Beat the Colts, even though they're an 18-point underdog, 16-7. And the Jets quarterback might be a little someone who played in this game that you may have heard of or remember. Goes by the name of Joe Namath. Broadway Joe Namath. Yeah. One of the only guys in the world famous for wearing pantyhose admitting it, embracing it, and still ended up being a total badass. And something that was really interesting about this game, this really put the NFL on the map. I mean, the NFL at that time had some followers and was popular, but this game, this giant underdog comeback, Joe Namath with his antics, really is what put the NFL on the map and was huge for them, and they never looked back since that. Well, Never looked back until the whole national anthem thing, depending on what side of the coin you stand or don't stand for that. 
And I had to put in here, I had to put in here a little bit of wrestling. And you're like, what? How do you have upsets in wrestling? How do you have underdogs in wrestling, dude? I mean, come on. It's wrestling. It's fake. I will go on record for any of you and tell you that anyone that tells you that wrestling is fake, nah, doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Wrestling requires, and we're talking WWE wrestling here, requires more physical ability, talent, and endurance than most sports out there, than most major sports. Yes, are the outcomes planned in advance? The outcomes, yes. Is actually what goes along in the ring a whole lot of improv? Yeah, it is. And that's what makes wrestlers uh, great performers. If you look at the amount of cardio going on into a wrestling ring, look at the amount of athleticism, agility, people jumping off of ropes, towers, doing flips. It takes a tremendous amount of strength and a tremendous amount of power, too. Most of these guys and gals are, you know, three, four hundred pounds, 280 pounds of solid muscle, and they're being thrown around like rag dolls. So there's nothing fake about picking a guy up, carrying him around the ring, and slamming him down. There's nothing fake about jumping through a table. There's nothing fake about getting slammed. And I will tell you, I have been body slammed before in a wrestling ring, and I'm not going to go through the details as to why, and it hurts. It freaking hurts. And they were taking it easy on me, you know, because just showing me what it was, but it still hurts. Wrestling's real, and again, anyone that doesn't believe it, go get body slammed in a wrestling ring, and you tell me how amazing it feels. But this was back in 1999 on January 4th, and this is when there was a huge wrestling war going on between two competing leagues. Back then, the WWE, which is the big premier league today, was still known as WWF. And just a little trivia for you on that, uh, the reason they changed their name is because WWF sued them, and that WWF being the World Wildlife Federation sued them for the WWF name and prevailed and forced the wrestling league to change to WWE, which is World Wrestling Entertainment, instead of the World Wrestling Federation. So that's something neat for you to know. And I'll give you a little bonus fun fact for today, too. Do you know the only abbreviation that takes longer to say than the actual word? Think about this. The only abbreviation that actually takes longer to say than the words it is abbreviating and that would be WWW. It's faster to say World Wide Web than it is to say WWW. So, mm, interesting, eh? So, this is in the big war between these two competing companies, WWF and WCW, and they were just battling for ratings. They were both the top-rated shows on their network, and they had competing shows that went on at the same time. Uh, so they were just like go, doing anything possible to kill each other for ratings. The the WCW organization of wrestling had stolen tons of wrestlers from WWF at that time. And so there was really a huge amount of bad blood. And they were all doing dirty tricks in both leagues to try to undercut the other league. And so what happened is WCW had an announcer, his name was Tony Schiavone, and they thought they're really going to get back at the WWE by announcing announcing who was going to win their main event. At this time, a lot of people didn't realize wrestling was fake. The internet was not as explosive as it is now with all of this stuff. So a lot of people believe the outcomes were, were real, were not predetermined. And so 
this was a huge move by WCW to really try to undermine the competition. And they announced um, there was a match of Mick Foley taking on The Rock. And you know The Rock, Dwayne Johnson? Well, he's originally a wrestler, in case you didn't know that. And was a hugely, hugely popular wrestler at the time. Mick Foley was also popular, but you know, there's no way in hell Mick Foley was going to be champion in most people's eyes. So Tony Schiavone, the announcer for WCW, tells people live on air and very sarcastically that Mick Foley is going to win the WWF championship by beating The Rock right now. Like it's going to happen right now. Mick Foley is going to beat The Rock and uh, become the champion. And then he's very, like I said, sarcastically says, "Well, that's going to put a lot of butts in the seats." This totally, totally backfired on WCW. And what happened is millions and millions of people watching it switched over to the other station. They switched over to WWF because they started thinking, are you serious? The Rock's going to lose and Mick Foley's going to be the champion? I got to totally see that. So it completely backfired. Everyone switched over and uh, it was a giant rating disaster for WCW. And that actually turned the tide for WWF, who was the underdog at this time. That actually turned the tide to where they retained more viewers and they started winning the ratings war night after night after that. Now, I know you're going to be thinking, oh, Chadwick, 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 there's tons of other sports upsets and underdog things that you didn't mention. And that's true, there are. But, you know, we try to keep this show at 30 minutes so we can't go into millions and millions of them. But what I want you to do is head on over to our Facebook page. And all you got to do is go to Facebook and search Water Cooler Genius. And you put up there something that I forgot. You tell me your favorite sports underdog comeback story that's just amazing. You post it up there and we'll comment on it. So head over to Water Cooler Genius on Facebook. I want to know your thoughts on your favorite underdog stories. And since this whole thing kind of opened with Vegas odds, and we were talking about the Knights and how it got as high as 800 to 1, I thought, you know, what are some other big odds that came through that Vegas had to pay off? The Knights didn't come through. Vegas didn't have to pay that. But, you know, either Vegas casinos or some of the casinos over in Europe What are some ones they did have to pay? The biggest one of all time, obviously, is Leicester City, and that's in the Premier League. For those of you who love the sports across the pond, so to speak, in the Premier League, Leicester City won the Premier League championship in 2016. It was their first title in 132-year history, okay? 132-year history, Leicester City wins the Premier League championship in 2016, Let me tell you how much the casinos thought Leicester City sucked. 5,000 to 1 were the odds for Leicester City to win. 5,000 to 1. So I don't know how much of that they had to pay out. Probably not tons of people bet that. But for those that did, they had to pay out 5,000 to 1. And in fact, this was such ridiculous odds that this has really uh, made Vegas pull back and pay attention to the odds when they're placing the odds. That that is too high. <laughs> we're never going to do that again, right? Uh, bad for us, good for Vegas. But pretty much everything Vegas does is good for Vegas, as you know. 2011 World Series, the St. Louis Cardinals. It, had you bet the St. Louis Cardinals to win the World Series in baseball before the season started, you would have gotten 999 to 1. Not a bad payoff. Someone you know, who I hesitate to say this because I don't want you to hate me, but someone you know would be me. I'm one of the only people that ever rooted against 
the Cubs when they played the Marlins in the World Series. And if you remember when uh, Steve Bartman caught that ball that was like the biggest thing ever and like still people argue and whine and cry about it and everything, he caught the ball that, you know, the ball catch the, the fan that changed the world. I was one of the few people in the universe that was happy that that happened because your old buddy Chadwick had bet the Florida Marlins to win the World Series that year 400 to 1. And he was pretty broke at the time. So cashing a cashing a uh, $20 ticket on a 400 to 1, that really helped Chad pay some bills <laughs> for quite a while. And uh, I'll tell you the story about that actually later on. But that's a good one. And I know that odds because I bet it. Um, had you bet on the 80, 1980 men's U.S. Olympic hockey team to win a gold medal that we talked about earlier, the odds for that were 1,000 to 1. 1,000 to 1. And then in horse racing, because I love horse racing, the 2009 Kentucky Derby winner, Mind That Bird, won the Kentucky Derby by seven lengths. Wasn't even close. Had you bet on that boy, you would have got 50 to 1 odds. That is the highest odds of any Kentucky Derby winner. You know what? Your fun fact for today. Fun fact. Chicago, the Windy City. You know, everybody knows Chicago is the Windy City. Yeah, right? Uh, It's not because of the weather. Chicago is called the Windy City because in the 1800s, starting in 1858 to be precise, journalists started saying that all the residents of Chicago are full of hot air. They're windbags. So Chicago was the Windy City because they thought everyone popped off at their mouth and talked too much and were arrogant and full of uh, cream cheese. Okay, And there was a huge war going on at that time with these cities that were industrializing themselves. New York and Milwaukee especially had beefs with Chicago. And so lots of journalists in New York started calling Chicago the Windy City. And what did Chicago do? They just embraced it and ran with it. And Chicago still, if you ever visit there, it says the Windy City everywhere. And they have all these little magnets and T-shirts and just tchotchke stuff. But little do they even know that the real reason for the name. In fact, I bet you most of the people who live in Chicago don't even realize that the term they're embracing was actually an insult. And I got one bonus little underdog for you that we'll close the show with. College football. I know a lot of you love college football. The greatest upset in college football history just happened in 2017. Yeah, just happened in 2017. Howard beat UNLV. So the Howard Bisons were taking on the UNLV Rebels, who were at home. And at this point, Howard was a 45-point underdog. Now think about that. That means that the casinos and everyone else that does betting basically lets the game begin with your team winning 45-0, to zero, and they still think you're going to lose. So this turned out to be the biggest single-game upset in all of college football history. And the Bisons, you know, Howard University, beat the UNLV Rebels 43-40. to 40. And if you just want one little bonus on there that makes it cool, guess who the quarterback was for the Howard Bisons? Kalen Newton. Kalen Newton. You're like, well, that name sounds familiar, kind of. Well, you're thinking of Cam Newton. Uh, now, this is Kalen Newton, who happens to be Cam Newton's younger brother. And Cam Newton's younger brother, 330 yards of offense in this win. So Newton's younger brother put up 330 yards of offense, threw one touchdown, and rushed for two touchdowns. So I guess rushing for touchdowns 
is kind of in the Newton family. Well, hope you guys enjoyed the show. I certainly enjoyed recording it and uh, making it for you and will continue to do so. But what you have to do is I need you to follow this podcast, to like this podcast, to share this podcast. That's the way we're going to grow, and I'll keep bringing out the interesting stuff for you. So make sure that you do those things. Like, follow, and share. And again, you can go to Facebook and just look up Water Cooler Genius on Facebook. Let me know what you think are the greatest underdog stories in sports history. And this is the part where I would usually give you your, your joke of the day or your dad joke. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I was trying to take suggestions, and I got an actually got an email from one of the listeners. And the email told me, he said, Chadwick, I want you to, to make a joke about a piece of paper. Like, make a joke about a piece of paper. I'm like, no, there's no way I'm going to make a joke about a piece of paper. That would be terrible. You guys have a great and amazing day, wonderful week, and I'll be talking to you soon on Water Cooler Genius.